the city of Corvosa, largest in Varesia, greatest of the Chalaxian colonies. Her past rulers had never sat easily upon the Crimson Throne, but now a spark of change burns through our city. For good or for ill, let us see what is written in the cards. My name is Zalara Zindane. I am a Harrow Reader from West Dock. I am also dead. This is not my story, nor even the story of the heroes who would rise to defend our city in the days to come. Rather, it is the story of Corvosa. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Curse of the Crimson Throne, a Paizo Adventure Path. Episode 1 Voice of the Editor here. Hello, thanks for listening to our actual play of The Curse of the Crimson Throne. This is a Paizo Adventure Path, played through with a group that's previously played through the entire adventure path of Paizo's Legacy of Fire. And then in terms of our podcasting, various members of this group have also played through Paizo's Kingmaker, a mini-campaign based off Paizo's Serpent Skull, a Savage Worlds campaign, and a string of other little one-shots here and there. Before we start into the actual play, I'll just give you a little background into the campaign and into the city of Corvosa where it is set. So Curse of the Crimson Throne is set in the city of Corvosa, which is the largest city on the continent of Varesia. It's about 18,000 people, around 300 years old. Corvosa was settled by the Chalaxian Empire, who are a group of Asmodeus worshippers, the devil lord of pain, suffering, contracts, and general lawful evilness. The Chalaxian Empire no longer supports the city, but their influence is still strongly felt within it. Uh, particularly in the strong racial tensions with the native Varesians, who make up a lot of the lower class of the city, and the indigenous people of the land, the Shawante. The city itself is haunted by a rumour of something called the Curse of the Crimson Throne. In all of its time, no ruler of the city has ever managed to pass down the throne to a selected heir, which means that periods of anarchy and chaos follow whenever the rulership changes. Our PCs for this campaign, the players were asked to make themselves characters who were residents of Corvosa, who had several connections with friends and family and wanted to remain living there for the duration of the campaign. And they were asked to have all fallen afoul of a crime lord named Gadrim Lamb, who had in some way wrecked parts of their life and instilled in them a need for revenge on him. You'll be seeing exactly what Gadrim did to them and how they react in our prologue coming up next. Thanks for listening through this campaign. If you enjoy Curse of the Crimson Throne, feel free to check out some of our other podcasts. Yeah, so where we begin is um, the camera panning in, zooming up the coast of Varesia, past several little small dot villages blinking past. With our massive CGI budget, we can do all this in one sweeping helicopter shot. CGI budget out of mind. It sweeps up up the coast where there are several ships and fishermen throwing nets off, the sun is bright and shining, um, and it sweeps around the Jagari River, where we see an enormous city, uh, <coughs> looking vaguely like this. The camera sweeps in across it, and we see... We see a string of markets and people animatedly talking in the street. 
what we mostly get from this is a sense of activity. Corvosa is a living, thriving place. There are 18,000-odd people in the city, um, and every single one of them has something to be doing today. They're all heading about on their business, that sort of thing. Up on the skyline, uh, you can probably see this. Actually, here we go. Corvosa. Uh, up on the skyline of this, we can see a massive, very gothic-looking castle on top of this huge pyramidal staircase, Castle Corvosa. And then all the various little things below, people are welcome to pass that around and goggle at it if they like. That is a, a picture of him fighting pseudo-dragons in a lightning storm above Corvosa, which is not what's happening here in the sunny prologue, but... Well, the prologue. This is Gotham. The prologue isn't going to stay sunny for long. <laughs> Um, and the camera zooms in through some of the slightly poorer looking streets and zooms in on what looks like a slightly (coughs) disused shop as is the custom with many things in Corvosa rather than relying on the literacy of people it doesn't have a sign out the front giving its um, giving its uh, sorry, it does in fact have a sign out the front but it also has a picture for those who can't read. It is a picture of a hand of cards being fanned out, all very elaborate and colourful. A harrow reader's shop. And there's the small ding noise of the bell clicking as the camera pushes the door open and goes in. And in there, sitting at the table, there is a woman, uh, slightly old, slightly older, um, moving moving towards middle age. She might be mid forties, maybe early fifties. Pass it around if you like in okay clothes, okay level of attractiveness. Nobody particularly stunning. And she is turning cards over and laying them out in a tarot-like pattern as the camera zooms in and looks at her. Then passes by her and looks down at the harrow deck where she is laying out a string of brightly coloured cards with very elaborate pictures on them. And her voiceover speaks <coughs> over the top. Because, of course, we have to have the voiceover for the intro. Um, <coughs> Hello. My name is Zalara Zindang. I am a harrow reader in the city of Corvosa. I am a harrow reader in the city of Corvosa, largest in Varesia greatest of the Shalaxian colonies. This is a city built on blood. Though it shines today, it is a mire of corruption and sin. But where there is darkness, there is always light. For for every corrupt noble, there is a father struggling to give his family a better life. For every devil summoned in back corridors of the academy, there is marriages and love. Despite its ills, Corvosa has thrived. I have lived here my entire life, and this and this day I am needed more than ever. But this is not my story, or even the story of the heroes that would rise in days to come. Rather, it is the story of Corvosa. And the camera sweeps out again over the city, pans dramatically up from the sky where the pseudo-dragon arcs majestically in front of it, closing off the camera... And then we cut out of that entirely and cut to the various prologues. So I'll be doing these out of order in whatever fashion best pleases me. Um, 
And the first one I would like to start with is Jack. Okay. So, Jack, the camera comes in on you, and um, you. this is about four years prior to campaign start. Yep. Uh, in fact, the little caption will come up four years ago. Um, and you have been an orphan in Corvosa for much of your life, is that correct? Your yes. parents basically did at a fairly young age. Yes. So my parents died. When, my parents died when I was five years old, and um, I was adopted for much of that time by a um, human woman, and um, she is now dead as well. Yep. So we, in fact, begin this shot on Mama Hester's house, um, where it is a very dilapidated but very large house in the in the sort of lower class suburbs. Um, with a crude hand-lettered sign out the front that reads, Mama Hester's Orphanage, and there are quote marks around the orphanage. <laughs> yeah. um, and there are a bunch of kids scattering out from it and sprinting off into the streets, and then a bunch of kids sort of hanging around it looking a bit lost. So, Jack, you were brought in a few years ago by Mama Hester, and, you know, well, you've certainly had to work for your money. She has... Uh, more or less look after you as best she can. She's a bit dotty. Was a bit dotty. Um, but as of uh, as of a couple of months ago, she caught a wasting illness. Disease does sweep through Corvosa periodically. That's in, also what my parents died of. Yeah, in, one. in the um, in the crowded streets here. And so the she has just passed away of this sort of wasting illness. And what is Jack doing at this point? Um, I think um, Jack will be sort of hanging around looking mournfully at the the front of the house. Yeah. Um, and one of the kids, one of the older children calls out to her as, as he runs past, um, you know, the, um, gotta go Jack, black lamb will get you. Um, she looks up at the door, looks up at the sign. I don't even think he's real. You kids made him up to scare us young uns. And then, as you say that, Mm -hmm. the sun turns and a shadow is cast across you. The sun is blacked out from your point of view momentarily. And when you look up, there is a fairly tall human man there, maybe in in his late 50s, early 60s. Um, He looks bent over, is sort of leaning on a cane, kind of sick, kind of somewhat sickly looking. Yeah. And the camera, you say, I, I don't even think he's real. The shadow falls over you, and you mind you, hello, Poppet. And when you look up, there's this older man standing there, sort of leaning on his cane. He looks, as I say, a little sick. His skin has several kind of boils on them. He's not a very attractive looking man at all. Oh dear. Old Mama Esther finally kept, did she? That's right. No good, Poppy. No good at all. Who are you, anyway? Well, I'm a sometimes associate of your mama's. i never seen you before, and I've been here a long time. Clever one, are you, Poppy? Yeah, that's me. I've come along to take care of you. Me and couple of my uh, associates and you will see 
behind him, sort of just lurking off in the alley, past this gentleman round as well, um, there are two thuggish looking guys. One of them is a half orc who is sort of watching this and (laughs) (laughs) snickering slightly to himself. (laughs) And the other of which is a Shawante guy with a big ass earthbreaker hammer over his back. Uh, which is essentially like a giant hammer with a gigantic either metal or stone head, depending on how it's been constructed. He has some vague tribal tattoos. You'd recognise him as a Shawante immediately and know nothing about him whatsoever. Now, you don't want to go running off with the others, Poppet. A little little one like you could end up starving in the street or doing other horrible things to try and survive. But don't worry. I'm going to take you off somewhere where you can keep having a good life. Jack will glance at the street past him, yeah. look him up and down, and then look the two yeah, extremely yeah. burly thugs. There are up. several more, more urchins like you hanging around. Yeah. yeah. Alright then, suit yourself. It's alright. Come along here, Popper. The less you struggle, the less Esther hurts. You're one of my little lambs now. As Jack clearly weighs her chances of getting yeah. far versus the young, large, burly men. And there's the as we cut ahead to. Um, oh, like the Batman. Sure, Dragon Flies. Yeah, Transformers. This is starting to go to sixties Batman all of a sudden. Now we're now we are. Um, about two years later. Okay, so... Yes, two years later. Um, so, Jack, you have been working as one of Gadron's little lambs. Um, you have been... Specifically, he has a number of crap jobs that need doing. Um, your one you have been given is pickpocketing. You have been basically working the markets lifting things of which he pretty much takes 100% of your earnings you yeah. get fed you sleep in a shack with a bunch of other orphans periodically the shack is moved they just come and haul you up and you go to another building um, and very periodically you'll get the occasional odd sweet cake if you pick some, pickpocket something that's particularly valuable and that's you know really sort of the high point of your life this is this is not a good life. You are not free. You are not quite, um, <laughs> you know, you're not being savagely beaten on a daily basis or anything, but being a lamb is not rewarding in any way. It's what you have, but it's not what you want. And there's also the fact that there aren't any old lambs. Once they pass a certain age, human equivalent about 16, 17, um, then they start to just sort of disappear off one by one. Um, Lamb has occasionally thrown several kids down the hole, which is a trap door under the area. No one's come back up from the hole, ever. Warbird. You have no idea what's down there, and there are a variety of nightmaric stories passed around the orphans. But... Some of them are vaguely content to just live this life of cruelty and abuse because they don't know any better. You, whoever have, had a slightly better life, and you are looking for something better out of it. So you've been endeavouring to improve yourself. So 
you have a couple of books or things of that nature that you have acquired somehow. How did you acquire them? Where are they? And where are you hiding in here to read them? Okay, so um, the shack is kind of just a one-room pit, sort of, basically. Um, I will have um, rigged myself up a little um, contraption up high, because I'm not very wide, a little shelf, so I'm lying on a little shelf sort of up high in the shack out of everybody's way um, to read my books. Um, I think um, one of them um, I... um, I obtained myself by trading a merchant for it because it was a sort of rag-end book that he didn't really want that much so I, in a little bit of free time Lamb doesn't know about I um, like did him a favour and and scored the book and the other one I lifted off a um, stand because that's a more valuable book that no one would let me so I think one's a general history of Corvosa and um, one's a, a book like um a prim- primer, to ma- primer to magic style thing. It's a very basic book about all different kinds of magic. Um, street magic is in sleight of hand and card palming, or actual magic? Actual magic. 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 Yep. So, so it's explaining like there yep, are different kinds. Of like, a, a divine, there is divine magic which comes directly from the gods, and then there's arcane magic. These are the kinds of arcane magic. And Jack has just got up to the part, on, lying on a shelf on his stomach, has just got up to the part where it explains that um, people can, in fact, learn magic even if they didn't start out with it. And we didn't actually get a look at Jack, did we? Uh, no. So the camera zooms in on her here. You are lying, basically, over in a corner on a thin reed, and you've got, basically, a little stub of a candle out that you're trying to hide the light from and using it to look at the books. We see the slightly ill-lit Jack. So um, she she looks slightly different in the in the main campaign, but at present um, she's very skinny and small. Um, she is um, about um, two foot, probably about two foot eight, two foot nine even at this stage. Um, she has, um, although it's probably difficult to see in this light, she has dark purple hair, which is kind of loosely cut. Yep. It's slightly different length, so it falls about her face. She has um, freckles and one blue eye and one grey eye. She is definitely on the skinny side, but she has an elfin kind of charm about her when she smiles, or indeed when she bites her underlip in concentration, as she's doing right now. She is following the words with her finger. Yep. She's clearly not startlingly fluent, but she can clearly yep, read. Pausing on some of the bigger ones. But she can clearly already read, which isn't necessarily something Lamb knew. Yeah. And can you make me a perception check? Uh, as people um, will know from the prologues of Will's Most Wonderful Year, because you actually bought as well, Aaron, so you'll know this anyway. Um, the events are somewhat preordained. The dice rolling changes matters slightly, but unsurprisingly, you can't kill Lamb in the prologue before the campaign starts. Or you can't die in the prologue. Yeah, <laughs> <Sorry. Surely. laughs> uh, 17 on the perception check. Okay, so you are pretty engrossed in your book, and then you hear the on a floorboard, just moving slightly in the dark, just off to the left of you. Somebody has just put a heavy foot down and is approaching you. Alright, so Jack will endeavour to slide the books into a side pocket up here, shut it and endeavour to act innocuous. Yeah. Um, it, given that I'm presupposing Lamb's going to catch me in the act, possibly not quite fast enough with that, but... And but it will be seen that her fingers are nimble and light, as though she's been a professional pickpocket for 15 years, which she has. <laughs> and she's prepared you for see this moment. Gadrin Lamb's sort of slightly withered, slightly boiled face, and there's the slight creak and then the slight. <coughs> <coughs> 
he makes. And then you see a light come into view. He is carrying a hooded lantern with him, but he has the hood most of the way down, just putting out a slight shimmer of light. And he comes over towards you and then pulls it up entirely. Hello, Poppy. You're supposed to be sleeping. What's uh, this candle doing here? Sorry. Uh, I was just, um, you know, practicing a few tricks in that. I'll put it out. Close out the candle. You're wasting a wick there, Poppy. Candles cost coppers. That's your light privileges revoked. He takes the candle. Yeah. It's a poor, paltry thing. Yeah. <coughs> you go to sleep, Poppy. If I hear one more noise out here, he goes to turn away, and just then the book that you, the books, two books that you mm. hastily shoved into the little mm. floor, in, into the little crack in the wall beside you, one of them is just slipping, and it goes, dunk! To the ground and falls out, and Lamb, like a cat, spins round his feet, light up fully, uh, alarmed and ready for anything. Looks at, it. looks at the book, looks back at you, and very slowly, deliberately leans over, picks it up, looks at it like it's a foreign object to him, and flicks it open and turns the light on it. And at this point, he begins speaking loudly enough that several of the urchins around you. Alerts to exactly this sort of disturbance start waking up, blinking their eyes, seeing what's happening here, and they just start creeping quietly away into the dark. Oh, Poppy, what is this? It's a book. He smacks you across the face with a light backhand. Don't be smart, Poppy. I, I, I didn't mean to be smart. It's a, it's a book. I um found it. Um, on the street. I didn't steal it or nothing. It's not part of my cut. See, it's, it's not worth very much. You've been reading, haven't you, Poppy? Sitting here with your little light, wasting our time in the middle of the night, reading Guide to Corfosa. What's this? <laughs> Reaches out, snatches the other one. Basic magical theory. Mama has to say a smart thief is a long-lived thief. He leans down, lights the candle, lights your candle, puts the candle back down and lights it again. Is that what Mama Heston said? Well, old Gadron says something different. See, I never bothered wasting me life reading crap like this, Poppy. You know what this is? This is a waste of time. Puts the book in the candle and it slowly starts to burn and smolder. He puts the next one and he just watches you the entire time. Are you going to endeavour to stop this book? De- definitely not. Yeah. Um, Jack actually looks almost slightly relieved at this point. She um, the, 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 she can handle that. Yeah, and they're pretty obviously going to burn up within a minute or two. Yeah, you know, that's all right. They, um, he says, you don't want to waste your time trying to learn, Poppet trying to improve your life like that. Life doesn't work like that. You get your place and you stay there. And then he turns away from you and you can almost hear the slight sigh of relief while the orphan's around. Takes half a step away and then turns on his heel again. But you know what really makes me cross, Poppy? The orphans scatter around him. What makes me cross is you sit here with that smug look on your face reading something like this 
What makes me cross is that you think you're better than me, don't you? Reaches out and picks you up by the scruff of the neck. You're only tiny because you're a yeah. gnome. You only weigh 20, 30 pounds. Yeah. He does this with ease. Yeah. What really makes me cross is that you think you're better than me, don't you? He shakes you. Um, and, um, no. Bluff check. <laughs> really doesn't matter what yeah. you're wrong. He doesn't believe you anyway. You know what I don't like, Poppet? People will think they're better than me. He drops you on the floor, but <coughs> turns away slightly again. I really don't like you at all! And puts the boot straight into your ribs and you hear a <coughs> noise as he cracks a rib with his first iron-shotted boot kick and you fall on the floor whimpering in pain. You think, you little bitch. Smash! And smashes the lantern down over your head. There's a shattering of glass. Um, you think that you're better than me. You are not better than me. Smack, smack, smack. He rains down half a dozen blows with a couple of heavy, heavy fists. Then he switches to the stick and starts beating you with it. Over and over again, there are several more crack noises. Light amounts of blood come out of your ears and nose as he smacks you across the back of the head. You don't quite pass out at this point, but you are pretty out of it. He beats you bloody, and the last thing you see is the books burning away in front of you as their last ashes start to wink out. And he grabs you by the back of the head, smashes you into the floorboard, leaving a bit of tooth bent bit of tooth mark bent in there, then pulls your head back out. Nobody's better than me, Poppet. Least of all, someone like you. Giggles! <laughs> the half orc comes out. And he just flings you across the room quite casually. He's actually reasonably strong for a guy his age. Throw this... <coughs> Hoiks down on the remnants of the book, um, coughs sickly several dozen more times, and <coughs> the beating's worn out slightly. Get this little bit, get this little bitch away, get this little bitch away from the others before she wakes any more of them with her catwalling. Throw her in the room, with, throw her in the storage with some of the unsorted crap. If she can't work tomorrow, if she can't, if she can't pick, if she can't pick a purse tomorrow, then she don't come back here. You understand? You're hanging there, limp in the half orc's arms, realizing that at some point in here he stomped on your hands. You actually think both of them are broken. They are putting, shooting excruciating pain up your wrists. Let's see how good you think you are then. Throw her in there and giggles. <laughs> Casually throws you over the shoulder like a doll. Takes you to a side room that you know is where a bunch of stuff is put from the from the day's takings, basically, that hasn't yet been sorted and appraised and that kind of thing. He just opens it, throws you in there like a bowling ball. There's a smash, clatter, crash as you fly into a pile of odds and ends. Then he slams the door. You hear a click, click from behind as he shuts it. And then he just turns and walks off. And you are lying there in this room full of junk. Barely conscious. Uh, and can you make me a heel check? 
Uh, untrained, 18. Yep. Uh, in fact, yeah, 18. You are pretty sure that you're dying. Yep. You are, in fact, bleeding out. In several minutes, let alone by morning, you're going to be dead, and there isn't a damn thing you can do about it. You endeavor to pull yourself up to your feet. It ain't happening. You roll over onto your onto all fours. The ribs hurt too much to stand, but you can pull yourself along your sort of broken hands and your bleeding knees scraping off the pile. As you move over, you pull at one of the tablecloths to try and get some purchase. It goes tink, 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 clunk, and something relatively heavy lands in front of you and starts rolling towards you. It is a little statuette, about yay high, yay wide, and even in your sort of swirling haze, you would easily be able to recognise St. Elica. There's a picture of a Parisian woman twirling her scarf in the air. Uh, she is the famous, the only Varesian to ever be granted sainthood by Cheliax, um, famous for saving the city in the Great Fire when the Shawante swept in and lived to burn the whole place to the ground. Uh, what is said is that she was supposed to be a seer of Phorasma. She foresaw her own death in the fire and went out to fight it anyway, saved thousands of lives and is credited with saving the city itself in the process. It was a nice story. Once, when you were reading about it, and you were guided to Corvosa. Hello, pretty lady. What are you doing in here? What are any of us doing in here? You reach out, you try and pick it up, and your broken hand will not close around the statue. Even if you survive till morning, there's no way you're going to be working tomorrow. You put a hand on it. <gasps> and you feel... Something is there. You actually feel a little better. Everything hurts. You are in still in extraordinary amounts of pain, but the blood has stopped. You can clear your throat. You're breathing again. You stabilize on touching this. And you hear a voice in your head, a woman's voice. Here, you are not alone. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. You are not going to die here, Jack. Is it Jack or Jack? It's Jack. You're not going to die here, Jack. Corvosa will need you. I see the future that will come. I see my city burning again. This time, a terrible fire. It will not be extinguished. By water alone, it will sweep from sword to sword, building to building, heart to heart, until all Corvosa is ash and ruin. Fate is calling you, Jack. You are needed for something more. I will be with you as I can. Hold on. Hold on. Always believe this. Help is on its way. And you collapse forward, and we cut out at that point. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, 
Jet collapses head down, one hand still loosely, fingers just touching the statue. And that's the first prologue in the introduction to Catherine Lamb. (laughs) Isn't he lovely? (sighs) I'm sure he only gets better with age. So, surprisingly, we'll be starting with some very grim, dark prologues. Uh, and then going on to a big damn hero scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And then we will cut away from that. I want to start with Jack because she has the best, um, a, a, a good first look at Gatron. Um, and then um, I think we will then go to Lucindriel Wintrish. Uh, so the caption comes up six years ago. Yeah. So, two years before Jack's one started. Um, and we see a very large shop out by the Academy of High Wizardry, that lovely, busy building with people coming in and out all the time. The shop itself is very animated. There are lots of people working there, um, coming in and out. And there is a sign up the front that says, uh, Wintrish and Pinkle Wickles. Pinkle Winks and Pinkle Winks Wondrous Potions. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't make me a customer of a store with a sensible name, because you know. (laughs) It's like, um, it's that fence, that um, Mm -hmm. fancy's name is Pinkle Wink. Yeah, I know. No (laughs) guardsman would believe a shop with such a Stupid name could be a front. We actually pan away. We, we, we then pan away from it. It looks like the shop is shutting up. The sun is just starting to set up there. And then across the road in one of the more fabulous manor houses, this is in, I believe, um, in the Heights. This is. Uh, so up here around by the Academy, one of the fancier districts. Um, and there is a noble house there. There is beautiful music playing out of it. There are a lot of people going in. Lovely garden out the front, endless topiaries. Contrasted to Jack's squalor and waste, this is actually lovely. And Lucindriel, uh, you are here with your father yeah. um, for a party. You are, in fact, already inside at the party. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where you will... Um, you don't know this yet, but this is where you will be meeting a gentleman by the name of Septimus Vidal. <laughs> yes. Um, there are some other guests at this party as well, Susan. Oh, um, hey, Lady, <laughs> Lady Octavia Mandravius. Oh, um, the High Priestess of Asmodius within the city, and the person of some considerable importance. Uh, her, her husband, um, uh, what was it? Uh, her husband Tanith, mm-hmm. Tanith Mandravius, um, and. Um, Young Mordell Mandravius as well. Yeah. Um, this is full blow and Mordell. Yeah, this is yeah. Mordell with, with light colouring. Yep. Dark brown hair, pale skin. Um, probably not with a pompadour because he's not fabulous yet. But You were just kind of here in the background at yeah, this stage. Yeah, I'm pointy ears. Did, diddling around doing whatever it is that you were um, yeah. being evil because I was I was lawful evil back then <laughs> sitting there brooding <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah. Then, ma- mainly you were lawful emo yeah I'm looking at that picture I'm seeing lawful emo <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> Lucy yes. or so the GM will probably call you rather than yeah. Lucy and real uh, can you make me a spot check as you 
Uh, you have been at this party for you know, an hour, hour and a half now. Uh, perception is now, sorry. Perception? Yeah. <laughs> okay, do I have any modifiers in perception? Probably not. Oh, I have two. So yeah. seven. <laughs> okay. So, the first you you have seen, there are a wide variety of people in this room. Um, most of them are considerably mo- most of them are considerably older than you, particularly in the male stakes. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of the only men you've seen vaguely around your age is this sulky looking <laughs> sad ass emo goth of a I'm here over one eye. Yeah. Actually probably over both eyes. You yeah. probably can't see through it. That's how I like it, okay. <laughs> I don't know we are brooding from of teenage depression. You've you've been asked to dance by a handful of older men already. You're sort of looking for someone he, like he's at least your age. Yeah. You start to head across the room to him, and just as you're heading there, out out of nowhere on the side of your eye, a gentleman cuts across you and intercepts you. Never even saw him coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have a mini for him, obviously. Yeah. Um, he is well. In fact, you are welcome to give a description of him if you so desire. Yes, Septimus Waddell. Um, he is um, man about um, maybe late forties, early fifties. Um, very wealthy looking. Like he'd be wearing, um, yeah, he'd be wearing um, oh, no. all sorts of like um, nice things. Obviously, like flaunting his wealth. Bling, bling yeah. on his neck. Very, very appropriate partner for a 16 year old girl. And he's very severe looking gentleman, but very proud. Like, you had, like, um, yeah, he looked like he owned the place, even though mm. he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and he just cuts you off and walks immediately in front of you without so much of an excuse me and puts his hand out for yours. You, you know this, this one, of yours. That's a, that's I take my hand. I take his hand. That just says a habit. Yeah, and more than anything. He says, "Ah, you must be the lovely Lucindriel Wintrish." Kisses your hand. It's just, it's very slightly too lingering. It's yeah. not terribly <laughs> inappropriate by any means. It's just slightly <laughs> too long. <laughs> I mean, the main problem is he's fifty and. He's not exactly yeah. stunning the trade. You will, of course, note the fabulous gold rings all over yeah. his hand. He's got rings on every finger. He's one yeah. of those kinds of guys. The chains on, all this sort of thing. Yeah. Pimp my noble. <laughs> my noble. He's got all the frills and all the cravats yeah. and the, the lace and the... Puppy. Yeah, the ladies' special of the nobles. Yeah. Just, I would be most I, I would be most honoured if you would give me this dance. I would just look around to someone to rescue me. You see this all happening, yeah. you know, two meters like, in front of you. I, ju- I just like, <laughs> <laughs> but then the emo person. Um, what do I know about your family? Uh, you are welcome to roll me knowledge civilization. Um, I five, yeah. Five knowledge civilization. Like, so, I have no idea who she is. She's very pretty. Yeah. She's just very pretty, but like... And, and he looks very rich. And yeah. you, your mother doubtlessly told you who all the people at the party were going to be, but you didn't listen because, you know... <laughs> yeah. She was all like, your commitment as a mandravius is to pay attention to this model. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. 
Alright, um, but I'm also evil. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> like, just looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, you know, no help comes, so I, like, yeah. And yeah. then the absence being interrupted, yeah. he pulls you out on the yeah. dance floor and gives you one dance and says, delightful. Doesn't, doesn't let you go. Um, he simply sort of looks over to the band and gives them a nod, and the tune just changes. There's no break between songs. It goes on to the next one, and he sweeps you around again. He sweeps you around again, and he gives you uh, maybe six or seven dances at this point. Uh, um, yeah, wow. And I'm just going, come on, someone, please rescue me. <laughs> or at least you'd be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And at around this point... Um, you are giving, please, please shoot me looks around yeah, the party. Exactly. And at about this point, your father comes up and yeah. will tap Septimus on the table, on the shoulder rather. You are welcome to give a descriptor of Gaius Wintrish if you so desire. Gaius Wintrish is, um, um, he's also, um, not, uh, um, nobly dressed, but not as wealthy. Yeah. So, any shows. Um, but he's also, um, about the same age as Pilar, I'd say, and um, he'll be um, uh, <coughs> I, I just always imagine him looking like so Sean Connery. Yep, Sean Connery. <laughs> so, <yes. laughs> Sean Connery today. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And so he taps it. Excuse me. Excuse me. May I have my daughter's hand for this dance? And Septimus smiles politely. Ah, of course, of course, Lord Wintrish. Excuse me, I see Lady Octavia over there. I must have, I simply must have a word with her. <laughs> Swans off, you know, and you see this really stern-looking woman over there, <laughs> nodding as he approaches, looking down her nose even at him. Yeah, you're, you're satisfactory to talk to me. Yeah, Mordell, Mordell, come and meet Lord Septimus Vidal. Size that's going on there, and the camera cuts back to Gaius and and Lucy, and are you all right? Are you all right? You you are giving a few strange looks. (coughs) No, I do not like that gentleman. Uh, He's very wealthy. I'm sure he would be interested, but if you're not, I'll have a brief word with him and put an end to it. No, yeah, um, he's too old. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid you're going to find most of the men are offered to you are a little older than you might like, but plenty of young men. Certainly no reason they need to be as old as your father or I'll have a word with Lord Septimus. <laughs> and he takes your hand and waltzes off. And you dance away and then the camera pans out on that and then pans in again. Uh-huh. Um, four days later, back at potion shop, it's bustling away, um, and Lucy, you are loosely working in here. You, th- this is one of those kind of jobs your father has given you, where you're pretty much yeah. earning your pocket money at this point. Yes. Um, so you're you're behind the counter measuring a few reagents into pans and pots and that sort of thing. Yeah. There are several other several other employees in the shop. Uh, both your father and your um, quote-unquote, Uncle Z, um, are both out and about delivering orders and picking up ingredients and that sort of thing. So you are nominally in charge of the shop at this point. And you see the bell rings, a couple of people enter, nothing unusual about that. Um, The camera, of course, will make the little dun-dun-dun noise because one of them is Gadrin Lab. Um, And the other one, 
is this gentleman. Yagen Belko. Yagen Belko, indeed. Um, And Gadrin will go over, speak to the first guy in the shop that intercepts him briefly. He points to you over by the counter. The assistant points to you over by the counter. And Gadrin comes over to you. And you are busily measuring something. You know, it's in very precise millimetres. And he will, on the counter, raps twice to get your attention. Oh, good thing so. May I help you? Hello, Poppy. Yes? Do you require something from your shop? Would you be lucendry or interested? Yes. Ah. So you're the owner's door? Yes. Well, I'm here to offer you... I'm here to make you an offer what you can't refuse. Oh, for me? Yeah. Surely not my father. Ah, well, we'll have a word with him later, but I'd like to have a word with you. I find young people just make better decisions. <laughs> this here is my uh, associate, Jürgen. Jürgen doesn't really say a word. He's something of an alchemist himself. And we have a certain special product that we'd like your store to start moving for us. And Jürgen reaches into his satchel bag <coughs> and pulls out a little potion vial of something that's blue and shimmering slightly. Right. Guy, yeah. Craft alchemy. Oh, it it's totally going to be the drag. It's totally going to be the drag. Oh, I will it. So, um, bye bye. Um, seven. Okay. Hey, hands it across to you. You look at it. It's certainly you know what this is, Poppy? I have no clue. I'm sorry. I'm not a very good alchemist. I only just started learning. Oh, it's all right, Poppy. Things across. Pat, pat, pat's the cheek. At least you're, <laughs> at least you're pretty. Oh, 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 oh. Away. <laughs> bad touch. This, bad year is, <laughs> this year is what we call shiver. And you would know this for basic common knowledge. Yeah. It's some sort of hallucinatory drug that's supposed to send you into nice dreams. You know, it's it's as much common nice. knowledge as the, as the player mm-hmm. sort of vaguely knowing what heroin and marijuana are without knowing yeah. anything specific. Obviously, it's an illegal drug, so you don't yeah. sell it. And he says, the thing is, we want to start moving this merchandise through your shop as soon as possible. I don't really want to wait around to deal with your father... We can have the first shipment here by this evening. What do you say, Poppy? Absolutely not. We do not deal in this sort of goods. Can you roll me a six motive check? Ooh, you don't know. Yes. Is it okay? Yeah, um, but I don't have any modifiers. It's just 15. Ah. Well, that's a real shame, Poppy. A real shame. <coughs> he says this. But he actually looks like he was expecting that answer. Mm. You know, he seems kind of secretly a bit pleased that you've told him to piss off. Um, he says, you see, a business like that, well, you can have all sorts of accidents. And you see behind his buddy, Yagen, takes out a long, thin stick. And 
puts it on one of the shelves full of glass potions and then just pulls it along and there's a ting 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 shatter 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 and shatter noises 50 gold worth of merchandise collapses onto the floor breaks and leaks into the carpet at this point I'm very alarmed and um start uh, calling sorry up. so clumsy start calling up for help and several of the um, other shop attendants yeah. will sort of come up and, and uh, what, what's what's going on here He's no problem here. He doesn't, like, you don't employ giant bruises or anything. He doesn't seem very intimidated by anyone here. He's no problem here, but let me know if you've changed your mind. I'll be coming back for a word with your old man, Poppet. Stay pretty. Pat, pat, pat. (laughs) And walks out, and your father comes back later in the day. You tell him all about this horrible incident, and he says, you know, what a horrible man um, yeah. obviously I won't, we, we won't be dealing with his ilk but that's when shit starts to go sort of wrong for Winterish and Pinklewink's wondrous potions the very next day two of your employees don't come in um, when you go to find them several days later they look scared and just tell you you know they've found other jobs and they totally don't want to come back um, there's several more incidents of uh, customers inadvertently smashing large quantities of things and then disappearing out the door. Random people, mostly young kids, that come in and out. Um, one of them we see vaguely in the background is Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little terror. Um, you don't want to not meet your quota. <laughs> it's not a good idea to not meet your quota. And the next scene we pan in on is, comes up... Um, about four months later um, and your father is sitting in his house looking a little distressed looking over books that are covered in big red ink and he's, he's sort of talking to me and he says I, I just don't know how we're going to make ends meet I mean we only have a quarter of the stuff we, we only have a quarter of the stuff we did we've had delivery shortages loan problems every manner of issue under the sun the guard the guard have picked up several of his little ur- several of that horrible man's little urchins and a few of his thugs, but nothing's changed. I don't know what we're going to do. Knock, 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 knock at the door. Uh, butler goes over, sort of opens it, and in comes Septimus Fidel again, looking very regal. And Gaius looks up. Oh, Septimus, you wanted a meeting? Of course. Good night, Lucy dear. Time for you to step on. Time to you for head off to bed. And you head up the stairs and go to sleep and they have a conversation, presumably. You hear nothing of it because the next thing you hear is a smash noise. Eyes come open, you're in bed, it's pretty dark. There's some some light out there, your guess is it might be five o'clock in the morning. Oh gosh, yeah. I saw um I just run outside to see what's happening. Um there are a bunch of people coming through your door. They are in black, demonic-looking, full-plate armor, helms down, oh. um, spikes coming <laughs> off it. You would instantly recognize the Hell Knights of Asmodeus, um, who are a strong military order within the city that are um, that theoretically serve the aims of the Church of Asmodeus. They are uh, also available yeah. to the city in times of crisis and available to anyone who can hire them for sufficient coin. And they smash straight through the front door. And 
grab and what you have seen is they are in process of dragging your father out the door. Two, one of them just has him in a very casual headlock and just yanking him straight out the door. He is kicking and protesting and trying to fight. And behind him, in comes a woman. And Susan, would you like to describe your mother, dear? <laughs> oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> yeah, when, you say, when you say she's the one of the evil women in the city, there are consequences. <laughs> Oh, um, shit, I actually haven't thought about what she looks like. I've got a suggestion. If yeah, you, sure. Um, I see her as kind of like an older woman with, like, round going to grey hair, but yep. she might dye it sort of... Let's say she dyes it black. Yeah, um, pulled back in an know, incredibly pull, severe bun. Pulled back an incredibly severe bun with, like, a long, dramatic... A, a yeah. dress of a you know yeah. possibly reddish so, colour. Fulfilling her official functions at this point, she will yeah. be in a long red robe that clearly has the holy symbol of Asmodeus, which yeah. is the mm-hmm. very satanic yeah. looking pentagram. Yeah, and, and, and just the severe When I think of her, I, I'm just imagining the same vibe you get from um, Disney's uh, Cinderella. Corella de Bell. No, no, no. Cinderella's Stepmother. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like that. They they just haul them out the door, throw them in a wagon, and drive off. As if, you know, this is, it's it's Tuesday for them. Um, And your mother is coming down the stairs, half a dressing dressing gown, loosely draped over her shoulders, looking frantic as well. Lucy, what's going on? I don't know. They're taking, they're taking Betty away. No. I'll just, I'll just run. And, and the Hell Knights just step in front of you in the door, a completely impassable force. One of them just puts a, a plated hand out and just clunk, stops it you. It must from. be some sort of mistake. I'm afraid there's no mistake. I am a Lady Octavia Mandravius of the Mandravius family. I am the High Priestess and the leader of the Hell Knights in this city. You will find here that the paperwork is all quite in order, hands you a signed thick-looking legal document. I'm afraid that Gaius Wintrish is to be arrested for treason against the city of Corvosa. That does not make any sense. I'm certain if there is an error, it will be cleared up in good time. Please, lady, that you wouldn't have done any of those things. She just turns and just walks away. Just flat snubs you. And her and the Hell Knights leave. It's so easy, easy when you're evil. They, they break into your house at five o'clock in the morning, kidnap your father, and just roll off up the road. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's either um, Cinderella's stepmother or a oh um, gosh, so Nazi, you know, uh, SS. You, you and your mother and and Uncle Z forget the business entirely and spend the next two days basically frantically banging on the gates of Citadel Vraid where the Hell Knights reside. You have no method of actually getting in there. Uh, your father is presumably in there somewhere. You spend a couple of days banging on the doors trying to get somewhere. Oh my gosh. You've got a whole book of them. Yep. Yep. All the minis for the peoples of the campaign. Except all the NPCs that I'll be adding in. <laughs> um, and finally, back home for the night, um, you 
hear a much more polite knock on the door at you know eight o'clock at night, far too late for visitors, kind of thing. You, Z, Z the gnome, and um, your mother, both of whom you're free to describe as well, are all sitting around yeah. in the parlour, poking vaguely at the fire, looking frantic and worried. Yeah. Um, Z is just um, he's um gnome, um, he's got a um vaguely wizard robe on him, but um, it looks more like um. Uh, sort of haphazardly thrown on. He doesn't really care about what he wears, um, evidently. And he's got this little half moon glasses perched on the end of his nose. He's a sort of middle aged guy. Um, I guess that's about yeah. And and the, my mother Livia Wintrish. She's um uh sort of just like a typical Victorian looking noble woman. Um, she's got the black hair sort of um, tied in a bun and um, <laughs> I think that's severe buns are a fashion choice yes. <laughs> so she's uh, um, about mid, um, mid 40s and I think um, my mom's a bit older yeah, yeah. But she's trying to look like she's and she looks, she looks like she's um, she would be much more properly dressed than um but at the moment, she's just got her hair in a little bit disarray. And, yeah. um, she yeah, looks, she looks like, like yeah. she sort of made an her effort eyes, to brush it. Yeah, she, her eyes are red, and um, like she's a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This time there is a polite knock at the door, as opposed to shattering and booting. And Does the door being like... Yes, the door has been yeah. It's, it's yeah. got like a bar and nails across it to hold it together. The butler comes in, and there is a middle-aged, serious but not stern-looking woman there, um, dressed in dressed in heavy armour in the livery of the Corvosan Guard, the guys that probably should have arrested Gaius in the yes. first place. And she steps in and uh, what says, the newly appointed commander of the Corvosan Guard, Chrysidia Croft. Oh. Oh, Chrysidia. She looks fairly, she looks fairly serious and a bit tired, like she too has been having a couple of sleepless nights. And she comes in and, you know, at your mother's vague, distracted wave, takes a seat in front of the fireplace. And she says, Lady Wintrish, do you Lady Wintrish, Lady Wintrish, Lady Wintrish. Uh, my name is Field Marshal Presidia Croft. I have been recently appointed the head of the Corvosan Guard. I've spent the last day catching up on particulars of your husband of your husband and father's case. I she bites her lower lip. This charge should not have occurred. There is no strong evidence linking this certainly it should have at the very least been brought to me before any arrest was made the matter will be dropped immediately and Z says well that's good news then <laughs> nothing to worry about then. Hold on. but for the evidence of his confession I am afraid that I'm afraid that Gaius Wintrish hung himself in his cell last night. No. And your mother goes, no, 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 no. 
Boom. Yeah. Faints, hits the ground. Z runs over to her. Livia? Livia? No, 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 no. Livia. Livia. I need some reagents. Help me carry her upstairs. And the servants spring into action. And he rushes off, leaving you feeling like you've been punched in the gut, just sitting in the chair. Mm-hmm. And, and Chrissy just watches this very awkwardly. And then she's... I... As I've said, the matter will be closed. This confession is not evidence. It is not law. It is not justice. It has no validity here. But it was left for you. And she produces a piece of paper and hands it across to you. Okay, what does it say? And you, it is written in common hand. Uh, it looks like your father's writing. Uh, are you trained in linguistics? No. Then you cannot roll it. No. I think is is not trained only. Is a trained only. It's trained only. Yeah. Trained only. Yeah. So it looks. It's it looks like handwriting that might be your father's. You know. Yeah. Might be yours, Susan. Oh, it could be mine. <laughs> so, Mordell, we must work on our forgeries. <laughs> Mother, why am I forging a suicide note? <laughs> Don't ask silly questions. Just do it. <laughs> you. It's horrible. <laughs> you look so at this, um, and you read through it, and you hear your father's voice reading it out. Um, and it says, "My dearest, my dearest Lucindriel, I am so sorry to have left you with the terrible burden." of carrying my guilt for me. <clears throat> I'm sorry that I was a coward that was unable to face what I have done. I freely confess here that I am responsible for the crimes the Hell Knights have charged me with. I turned against Corvosa, lined my pockets with ill-gotten gold in an effort to undermine King Eadred and strike down the nobility to assume his place. I am guilty of it all, and the only thing I regret was that in the end I was caught and was unable to pass you the position as princess of the throne that you so rightfully deserved. Like, you'll read this, you've heard none of this from yeah. your father at all. I can only I can only ask your eternal forgiveness <coughs> for leaving you with this burden that I was not strong enough to carry on. You are a beautiful girl. You will find your way in life. I wish you only the best, Poppet. Oh. And the voice changes at the end. That's literally the note it says, I wish you only the best, comma, pop it. Signed Gaius Wintrish, you know, Lord of House Wintrish on the stage. Blah, 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 blah. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. This this can't be my my father's murdered. This this is not him. He can't he can't have done this. There will be an official investigation into this matter. I promise you that I will do everything we can. Please, there must be something we can do. Stifles are yours, like. Perhaps you should attend to your mother. I should go and <laughs> awkwardly get something. <laughs> like, hi, your father killed himself last night. This is not a fun job. <laughs> Um, yeah, particularly the um, the Hell Knights made the mess and she gets to clean it up. And you like, go upstairs to see Z frantically working everything. Like he's poured a couple of potions into it. He's got d- bottles discarded everywhere. There's smoke filling the room from several burners. 
and he looks up at you and he says, I, I think she's I think she's okay now. She should be coming round shortly, waves a stick under her nose, and your mother blink Oh I must have fallen over. Oh Lucy, dear Is Gaius home from his business trip yet? Mother, do you do you not remember what happened? She looks slightly terrified for the briefest moment, then just goes blank. I'm (laughs) sorry, dear. I I must have a party. Yes, I think we should have a party when when your father gets back from his business trip. We should we should make arrangements. Liver, liver, you're not. Maybe you're not well. You should lay down. Oh, hi. I'll, I'll be quite fine once Gaius gets back. See, sighs. Yeah. And several days later, uh, that sounds like my several days later, <laughs> you are sitting in the house. There are men carrying the furniture out and away. You know, the gentleman's explained to you, I'm sorry, but without your father's interest in the shop, the Bank of Avedon must foreclose. If you hadn't taken out quite so many loans over the last several months. Uh, but but it'll all be fine when Gaius gets back, says Livia from the corner. Oh, oh okay. Oh, your backstory's yeah. breaking my heart. <laughs> and then there's another knock on the door, and Septimus Fidel sweeps in again. That's enough. These, can't you see these people are grie- Can't you see these people are grieving? At least have the grace to come back another time. Get out! Get out! And just bustles the Avadarian clerk out the door. Just, just literally by force of will, just shuffles him out the door. Yes, bye. Lucindriel, I'm so sorry. This is your hand again. And dear Liver, dear, dear Livia, don't worry. Gai- Gaius will be back soon. Pats her on the shoulder. Oh yes. <coughs> and at this point, you just collapse into his yeah. arms, weeping. The yeah. stress of all that. There, there, dear. Everything will be all right now. Septimus Fidel will take care of everything. <laughs> Sudden cut. You are in your beautiful white wedding dress, uh, being carried up a set of stairs in his arms. Um, and he sits you down at the top of the stairs and then <coughs> coughs and wheezes slightly as he does so. No. Because he's an old man. <laughs> I know. Yeah. My dear, I'm so glad that you agreed to marry me. You'll find your quality of life will improve immeasurably now. I'll take care of everything for you. Thank you. I have a new friend for you. Uh... Lady Anderson? A very stern-looking woman with her hair pulled back in a tight black ponytail. <laughs> uh, carrying a big walking scythe over her back. It must be some... Lady Anderson. Oh, she likes more of it. Steps out of the shadows like a ghost. Lord Liddell. This is Lady... This is Anderson. She'll be being paid to keep an eye on you and keep you safe from any untoward influences as I said I'll take care of everything from now on you need no longer worry about anything you will have 
a very treasured and precious life here. You'd no longer be concerned. Mm-hmm. I have taken care of the details. The potion shop is back in Zebo's hands. As for you, my dear, you have other. You, as for you, my dear, you will have a very happy life there. Your bedchamber points you to it, and you look at it's a big, thick door. And as you look at it again, you see there's, there's actually a big, heavy <coughs> bolt. Not particularly unusual for a bedchamber, but it's on the outside. <laughs> and here's some straw for you to And he just gestures to you slightly towards the room. What do you do about it? What does just What does this mean? Why does the room have a bolt on the outside? Why? To keep you in your place, of course. You're my wife now. You are Lady Septimus Fidel. You can't be strolling the streets doing as you please. Gestures politely again at the door. You mean that I'm your prisoner now, then? If you were my prisoner, you'd be in chains. Mm -hmm. This is merely to keep you preserved, perfect in the state that you are. Now get in there. It would be a shame to mar your beauty with a black eye on your wedding day. Gestures again, much less politely and more hurriedly this time. Oh, I... No, it took too long. Mm-hmm. He punches you in the eye. Oh, shit. I just collapse on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and he grabs you by the hair and pulls you into the, and pulls you into the room behind him. Anderson, lock the door. She bolts, shuts it, shuts it. And before you scream too loudly, consider that dear Uncle Z is just one letter away from the bank foreclosing on his little shop again. Boom! The door shuts. Ka-clunk! The lock bolts. And then we will cut away. Your backstory is so complicated, we've got to come back to it again later. But let's go somewhere else. Well, in all fairness, I think you're coming back to Jack's later as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Flora, I believe, will be next. Uh, so, young Florence Iona uh, Seren, is it? Yeah. You and your mother and your father and your grandmother and a few other people have come to the great city of Corvosa that about four years ago comes up the caption. This is the first time your Verizon caravan has been here. You're planning on staying for a few months at least, seeing all the sights and wonders, making some money in the city, maybe continuing on up towards the Mindspin Mountains, towards the dwarven cities of Janderhof and seeing what's there. But for now, Corvosa, glowing with life and opportunity. And you and your mother and your father go off into the city to explore, and we see, looking at a bunch of different shops and things, and... The whole place is the whole place is full and can you make me a will save? Twenty. Okay. So you are looking at you know the various shining things in the shop and there's this Harrow Reader's shops out there and scarves and all that sort of thing. You were managing to keep yourself vaguely disciplined. You're sort of looking back every couple of minutes to see if the parents are still over there. Um, you look round. You you look round at a few other things. You look back. Your parents are still there. Then suddenly there is a big hand on your shoulder, and yank. You are pulled back into an alleyway. 
and before you can panic too much, you are spun around, and there is an older-looking gentleman there, and he says, and he looks down at you, he is, of course, Gadrin Lamb again, he looks down at you and says, Excuse me, Poppet. You new to this city? I was hoping someone could help find my show me my. I was hoping someone could tell me the way around. Not today is my first day here. I've never been here before. <laughs> it's so big. <laughs> wow. She's so young. I, I can feel the target even his soul starting to bear. What's oh, oh, left of it? Well, that's lovely, Poppet. There's a lot of gra- there's a lot of wonderful things to see here in this city. But oh, Uncle Gadrin could show you the sights of the place. I tell you, you look awfully familiar to me. What's your name, Poppet? Iona. Iona. What's your last name? Siren. Oh, Siren. Yeah, I know your I know your mum and dad, Poppet. Gosh, I hope they're not about. I mean, I'm a man who keeps an ear to the street. They're Varesians, aren't they? Well, I, the guard's been looking for people coming in the new caravans, looking for the Skarsni, the thieves amongst them. Well, I hope they haven't been picked up, Poppet. But we're not thieves. No, of course you're not, Poppet. Of course you're not. But, but And he puts a hand on the shoulder and starts steering you around. And, and you know, he says, but... We should, we should go and find your parents anyway before the guards get in. Terrible misunderstandings can happen in the big city. Oh, no. Do you see him, <coughs> Poppet? And can you make me a streetwise chest? Nineteen. Okay. You are confused by some of the big city. You look around, you don't see them in the street. What you don't realise is this is, of course, a different street. He's led you down the alley the opposite way and taken you out somewhere else. You look around frantically, you don't see your parents anywhere. No, they're not here. Oh, no. Well, I hope the guard haven't already got them. Look, don't worry about a thing, Poppet. You tell with Uncle Gadrin, I'll get my, I've got a few friends in this city. We'll pass the word out. And we'll find out what's happened to them, okay? okay you come with true. me now. I've got a few. I've got a few other little urchins I look after from time to time. No, sadly the technology's not there. He has an unmarked white carriage <laughs> with boards over the window. <laughs> Even the horses have boards over their eyes. And he's got candy. He takes you off. You're a little worried about your parents. Uh, you know, not not terribly so. He, he's reasonably reassuring. And he takes you off to this lovely, you know, kind of... It's a bit of a shack, the building, but you've, you've lived in worse. Um, and he sits out, he, he says, he says, now you come in, you come in here, Iona, and this is, this is where you, this is where you'll be staying for just a little while when we pass the word out. Why don't you sit down with some of your friends? Why don't you sit down with some of these, some of these newer, new ones here? And out comes some lovely food, um, reasonably good quality, you know, pies and cakes and sweet things and that sort of thing. He says, look, you come over here and he sits you down with a boy and a girl. Now, this is, this is, points that the kid looks a little blank. Uh, M- Michael and, and Sarah. Oh, right, you're right. Yeah, here we are. You sit down with Michael and Sarah here. You have, you, you have some nice food, a little drink. You get to know them. Don't worry, Uncle Gadget will take care of everything. 
and from your perspective as a kid, you're actually having kind of a great time. Like, you're a little worried about your parents, but this is kind of a party. You're having lovely food. You you sit down. You, you get to know these kids. There's a couple of little toys, cheap things, but you know, you're playing. You're having great fun with them. The other kids seem suspiciously happy about the food. Like, they don't eat like this very often, maybe. <laughs> Oh, no, no, this is his new crop. Oh, right, so, okay, yeah. So they're, they're, they're um, just as impressionable. Yeah. Oh. And he comes back the next day, um, and you sort of spend the night sleeping there. You know, there's a couple of guys keeping vague watch over the kids, seeing you have what you need. And the next day, Gadron comes back and stands up on a little vague podium at the front of the room, and he... <coughs> Right, listen up then, Poppets. Did you have a nice time last night? It's also a nice time. Enjoy the food, enjoy the company. Everybody stick with your buddy system. Can you point to your buddies? Right, well, here's the thing, my little lambs. That's the 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 first night's free. The rest of the time you've got to start earning your keep. Ain't nothing in Corvosa free. So from now on, you work for your money. You don't work, you don't eat. It's just that simple. And if anyone gets any smart ideas and thinks they can just duck out one of them side doors before old Giggle sees you, well, you want to have another thing coming, because your little buddies, you see, if we don't find you, then your little buddies are going in the hole. There's a little confusion, really. What, 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 what's the hole? Says the little thing. Oh, that's a good question, Poppet. Now, where are your buddies? He looks up. Uh, there. Oh, dear. Yak. He doesn't know where his buddies are. Wait, wait, wait. wait There's just somewhere. In the hole he goes. Boom. There's a thunk noise from under there. Bam. Puts the bolt through the trap door. It goes boom, boom, boom a couple of times. There's no screaming heard. But it seems very soundproof down there. Oh. Do keep an eye on your oh. buddies, don't you? Won't you? Otherwise you'll be going in the hole. And the, the kids all stare wide open. And he just starts to walk off. He's up the front if you want to, you know, you're up the front if you want to ask him anything where your parents are or anything like that. Where are my friends? He looks back at you. Uh, and he looks at you. Oh, right. I've got some bad news for you, Poppet. I'm afraid the guard took him, executed him for thieving. I know you said there wasn't thieves, but happens all the time with Varesians. You want to be very careful out on the street there, Poppet. There's very few people that look after you as well as Uncle Gadrin would. I'm afraid you ain't got no family to go back to, Poppet, but don't worry. We'll find a place for you here, as long as you're good. Because if not, he looks at the hole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. And we pan away from that, and we come in about two years later. Flora's looking a good bit older, a good bit wiser. Um, Michael and Sarah are both long gone (laughs) at this point. Um, And you are over in the corner of the room trying to get some sleep. Um, Trying to, trying to not be noticed because being noticed is always bad when you hear, so you think you're better than me, do you? Ish! Fum! Fum! 
you throw her in there. Funk. And you were at the door just by the just by the um the room full of stuff. And Giggles walks off. You'll notice he kind of just slams the door and swings back slightly, leaving it slightly ajar. And when you look in, there is a young gnome girl lying there, largely fading in and out of consciousness on the floor, looking very badly beaten. I'll go in and give her some healing magic. You don't need to worry about cats okay. casting it for the prologue. So, you go over to her, you know Desmond wants you to look after people in need, lay a hand on her. Gethlin doesn't know you can do this, you worked out fairly rapidly that it was best if he didn't know things. <laughs> Jack, you can move your hands with only light pain. What the... I can give you some more tomorrow, but that, that, that's all I can What's do for the, the moment. Your, what's your name, kid? Lauren, but to tell Gadget. Oh, of course. Hang on, hang on. Come here, come here. My name's Jack. You saved me, you know that? I wouldn't be able to work tomorrow. You put me in the hall. Save me. Oh, I remember. I'm, I watch out for, I, rem- I remember. I watch out for my friends. I pay my debts. Oh, you kid! Oh, I'm gonna slip back out. And, and um, a- as Flora go, as Florence goes, um, Jack will fetch the um, uh, fetch the little statue back onto her lap and stroke it a little bit. And you, lady, I remember, I pay my debts, and um, and I'll hide my books near to, near the next time. Better next, better next time. You watch out, old man. You watch out. Jack always pays. We see Flora sort of listening to this outside as she like shuts her eyes and gets to sleep. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Elsewhere. Yep. Um, uh, We are at a. What is obviously a what is obviously a blacksmith of some kind. It's got the giant anvil sign hanging out in front. Um, this is in, in, in uh, North Point, um, one of the older districts in the city. And is there a sign outside? Give me the name or anything like that. Um. Well, considering my clientele, you know, the dwarven sense of humor, we just call it. Dwarf's Forge. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yes. Imagine my family is like that. Dwarf's Forge. Imagination? Zero. Quality of work? Superb. Yeah. Um, you don't pay see, for the logo. We see a dwarf sitting there engaging in probably hammering out a, a shield or a sword or something like that. Some manly blacksmithing work. You're Thank welcome you. to have the camera. Yeah, he's just, you know... Well, it's traditional. He's he's beating against an red hot, white hot iron bar. Yeah, yeah it's all blacksmiths ever do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we don't actually make anything. We just bang the bar and magic happens. Yeah, bang the bar, slam it into the armor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you bang it. Everyone knows you place go. You bang it five times. <laughs> and you were waiting. You were waiting for the. You, you were waiting for the quenching tank to be um, to be filled up again, so you can quench it again. Uh, your apprentice is supposed to be doing it, and as you look round, 
there is a young sort of well youngish elven elven kid sort of sitting there basically sitting on top of sitting <coughs> beside the quenching tank on a little chair taking some of the water and slushing it through his hair to cool himself down slightly from the heat of the forge and he's looking out across the street where there is a girl going past um, in a nice Parisian looking skirt it's oh actually it's actually and he's sort of just just looking over her just sort of giving her a vague it's a swipe eye yep yeah, it's big I'm a, I'm a black <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, the base of ain't gonna fill itself. Oh, right, 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 sorry, yeah, um. Shh, 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 a moment. <laughs> and not a moment too soon, you quench the bar just before it's ruined. Uh, I was getting there. I mean, isn't, like, patience a dwarven virtue or something? <laughs> So, so is insight, lad. What's with the eye patch? Well, it's the dumb thing, isn't it? Pirates of the Rage this year. <laughs> you tried that one last season, boy. Come up with something new. Oh, man. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Follow this. I've got something, right? Takes the eye patch off his left eye. Puts on the right. Rakish, right? All right, you're not swooning. But you're not exactly what I want to call a target audience. The only target you should be making is the one for the archers at the guild's hall. Well, I, I was going to do that, but I, I mean, I was busy last night. I had some stuff to take care of. Oh, yeah? And what was her name this time? No, 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 no. It wasn't a girl, just a, a, a little money-making opportunity. Oh dear. Oh, God <laughs> preserve me. What have you done this time? No, 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 no. Stop getting upset. You'll like it, right? So, you know how the guards are trying to get trying to, trying to get Shiver off the street, right? And they've got a bounty out where you can just turn it over to them, no questions asked, and pick up some gold. Right. I mean, you don't make any money <coughs> doing that. But you've got to buy it in the first place. It'd be a stupid way to make money, but but if you could acquire a, a crate of shiver from somewhere without having to pay for it, then you could you could give it to the guard and take the bounty. It's win-win. Drugs are off the street, you know, criminals not making money, innocent people making good money. No problem, right? And where did this mysterious crate apparate from? I, just, I was walking down the street. I happened to see it on the back of a wagon. Like there was no one around. That, that oh, no one would have seen me anyway. <laughs> so I just, I just grabbed it. I mean, what's the point of working with a blacksmith if you're not going to do something with these? Oh, yes, yeah, so without that, get back to work. <laughs> Strength sixteen, charisma twelve, wisdom minus two. Wisdom four. <laughs> yeah, I think for this plan, it's got to be lower than eight. Oh, yeah, it's much lower. Sorry, minus two was the modifier. It's just yeah. like, like there's not a thing to worry about. That half orc, that half orc wouldn't have been able to find his own boots. <laughs> you hear it quite. Yeah. I'll be inside. <laughs> and when you look around, there is indeed a half orc standing there. He doesn't look pissed or anything. He's just kind of chuckling away to himself. And there's that older gentleman with him, um, Gadrin Lamb, of course. And the audience has seen these guys before. It's Gadrin Giggles and the Shawante. Mm-hmm. Um, she has all three of them. 
He's done some shit. <laughs> the kid stole a crate of shit. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. worth a couple of hundred gold pieces easily. Yeah. And Excuse me, Sir Dwarf. Is that your apprentice I just saw run into late? Aye. Well, I'm afraid we might have a little bit of an issue. He borrowed something of mine without asking, like. Not very polite. You should teach him better manners, Sir Dwarf. Well, you try, but you know what these half-out teenagers are like. I've always found young people to be quite malleable, up to a certain point. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> then they hit puberty and all of a sudden... Then they go in the hole. <laughs> Problem solved. You can get rid of your apprentice like that. <laughs> the first one's free. <laughs> well then, I don't think we need to have any unpleasantness here, Sir Dwarf. I think you're just what those in my business call an innocent bystander. Like, why don't you just... Hammer on your forge some more, and we'll step inside and have a word with the lad. Gutog, Gutonka. The Shorto guy takes out his big hammer. It's not really the kind of weapon you can tap menacingly against your hand without breaking your hand. Yeah. He kind of drags it along the ground. It makes a <laughs> scrape noise on the steel. You're gonna put dents on that. Excuse us, they just start vaguely walking towards your, the inside of your shop. Uh, taking a look at the steel I'm forging as they're, as they're walking past when we go. In nothing but trouble, kid. And I'm going to take a swig at him. With a piece of unforged sword. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. and you swing the piece of red hot unforged sword at Gutonka, the Shawante, the first guy going in. And can you make me an attack roll? Wow, <laughs> the first attack roll. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, been a mess. Yeah. Oh, that's about a ten. Yeah, this is, this is not yeah. a tremendously well-forged weapon. You're doing the best yeah. you can. You swing at him, but it definitely gets the effect you want. You don't hit him, but he jumps back away from this. And sort of looks over Gedrin and Gedrin holds hands. All right, all right. No need for violence, like. We can all be civilised here, Sir Dwarf. I can see that you're a man who knows his way around a bit of steel. How about we just call this a learning experience for all of us and take a walk, right? Backs up. (laughs) I'm keeping my eye on them. They back up and head across the street and walk off into the crowd. What? <laughs> Head pops out. Uh, just working on the archery table. Do you know who that was? No. Try the biggest crown lord this city's ever seen. But he's a half-orc. Not a half-orcus. <laughs> that was Lamb. Gadron Lamb. Oh. <laughs> you think he could hire a bit of security for a ship? <laughs> <laughs> oh Don't you That's because no one's dumb enough to steal from him. Alright. Alright. Look. I'll take it back. You'll take it back. You think he's gonna care? He'll take back the drugs. And then it'll take your life. 
I might stay inside for a few days. <laughs> a few days. Look, you've, you've driven them off. It's okay. I haven't driven them off. I've just made it not worth the trouble right now. He's going to come back. But when he does, he's going to have friends. The kind of friends who break legs. You need to get out of the city now. Uh, his face kind of like, no. oh shit, decisions have consequences. <laughs> oh, um, I'm so okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take a, I'll, I'll, I'll take a, a, a little holiday maybe. Go, yeah. go, yeah. go up to Sandpoint for a while. I'll go there. You're not listening to me, lad. If you ever come back here, he'll kill you. I'm, I'm going to go get get a crate. Help me on the way. I'll, I'll, I'll. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Heads off. Right. And you spend kind of an uneasy rest of the day looking round, but there's no trouble. You, know, you, you're a bit behind on your orders without an apprentice and half distracted. You know, you keep trying to lose yourself in the work. Nothing happens. You go off to sleep. Then suddenly, there are hands all over you. It is the middle of the night. You are up around your bedroom, and you are being pinned to the ground by a couple of very girly-looking people. Um, and one, one of them being Giggles the half-walk. Gutonka is standing there with a the hammer over his shoulder, and Gadrin is just sort of standing in the corner. Well, Sir Dwarf, looks like we're not going to have. Looks like we're not going to be so civilized after all, doesn't it? I've seen your type of civility, lad. Where's the lad, and where's me shiver? I have no idea what the lad is, and as for your shiver, I burnt it. Oh. <coughs> You know how much that a crate of shiver is worth on the street. I've heard about 300, 400 gold street value. We've got a lot of customers waiting for that. What sort of a man of business are you, Sir Dwarf? One who runs a clean business. Yeah. I can see you've definitely got a smith's arm on you there. You tonker. They pull your arm out the side and he steps up. <laughs> says something to you and Chilante and bang brings the hammer down on your arm and you hear it snap oh dear I hope that wasn't your working arm well best be sure Gutonka the other one smash oh dear Sir Dwarf this could have all been avoided you know if you'd just been prepared to be civilised He's only a boy. City's full of them. Whereas you, people are going to notice if you show up to work with broken arms tomorrow, aren't they? I mean, you're not going to be able to do your job. You have to beg in the street. We can help you with that, though. His leg's next. <gasps> wow! Wow! <laughs> well, 
We're going to have to constantly warn this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you've had a lesson in manners, Sir Dwarf, anything else to say to me? Lee's sort of leaning over your face at this point. Try to draw him in closer. <laughs> your breath smells almost as terrible as you look. <laughs> he steps back and just punches you across the face. It's nowhere near the force of the fucking hammer coming down you. <laughs> I just smile at him and go, But Grandma, it's harder than you do, lamb. It looks like she left you a lovely shop. Shame your grandson didn't learn any manners. Oh well. Gentlemen, I think we're done here. Let him go. And they let go of your arms. Unless you're lying on the ground like a turtle at this point. Four broken limbs. He says, well, I guess we'll get on our way then. Oh. It's just one more thing, Sir Dwarf. He turns back to you. I would call this a lesson done since you weren't the original thief. But for the fact I don't like the way you look at me. You look at me here in your fancy armory, with your fancy suits of mail. You look at me like I'm a bug on your boot. You look at me like you think you're better than me. I don't like it when people think they're better than me. You think your big fancy shop here makes you someone? Is that what you think? Well, I think the bugs on my boots are better than you. Oh, no. You're an arrogant <coughs> prick, Sir Dwarf. It's going to get you into a lot of trouble in about five minutes from now. I don't like his shop. Fuck it. Burn it down. And he turns and walks <laughs> out. And walks out. And <laughs> oh. What about the dwarf, boss? What about the dwarf? Walks out. <laughs> giggles. <laughs> I get to do fire. I love it when I get to do fire. Yagra made me some special things to do fire. <laughs> the building starts burning. They walk out. You are lying on the floor. All your limbs broken. The shop is burning down around you. Well... The ex-wife did tell me my work would kill me. And the fire burns up into the roof and then burns the ceiling away on the second floor. And a collection of stuff and burning rubble falls down on you. The first thing you see, however, is the big suit of armour coming down, the big breastplate that goes clunk down around you like a shell, and then the rest of the rubble falls burning and around you. <laughs> and obviously dead, that's where we cut away from you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Mordell. Oh, shit. And then back to Lucy again. <laughs> yeah, people with less than ten wisdom should have talked to crime lords. Less than ten wisdom? Yours, I didn't give him any smartness. <laughs> that's all right. Mordell, uh, how old are you oh, when you begin? <laughs> when the campaign starts? Uh, well, so I'm 30. You're kind of age 30, are you? Yeah. So, yeah. so at this point, it comes up about a year ago. You're about 29 or so. Yeah. Um, 
you're at a stage where you don't really know what you want to do with your life, but you know what you don't want to do. Mm. You don't want to be, you know, a priest of Asmodeus like your mother wants yeah. and like your father tells you your mother wants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the relationship they have. Uh, yeah, if I was married to her, I'd totally like her. Um, Lucy here is a classic example. What happens if you marry someone like that? Don't totally like Your father, however... Your father, Tanith Mandravius, Mandravius by name, by, by marriage, not by yeah. blood, uh, because of course he is an elf. Mm-hmm. Mandravius is from the superior human bloodline. Yeah. He is a very attractive elven man, however. Um, and one of the things he does is he works at the Academy of High Wizardry. He is, he is not a teacher there because that would suggest he needs to actually earn a living. He is what they call a professor where he just does a bit of scholarly stuff and maybe takes on the odd one or two pupils from time to time or apprentices that are students. Um, and so lacking in really any better direction, you're sort of follow you're following vaguely in his footsteps. Yeah. Um, you however are doing some things that your parents did and, and your mother says that the academy is, a, is an acceptable career for the moment. <laughs> it's the sort of thing a Mandravius... the hell nice. <laughs> it's the sort of thing a Mandravius could do in the learning stages of their formative years. Um, so your parents have accepted your choice to go to the academy and learn. They are paying for it, obviously. It's all yeah. fine. Except for all the things you're doing that your parents wouldn't approve of. Everything. <laughs> I mean, for starters, there's all your friends. Mm. Um, the... Most damning of which uh, is the guy that you are currently um, dealing with, that you're currently seen with here. Uh, he is a Shawante, by the mm. name of Nakota. Yeah. Um, and he is, would be grossly unacceptable as your parents by virtue of being a Shawante. Yeah. Um, he obviously cannot afford to go to the academy, but he is working there, mm. um, doing menial stuff like cleaning and that sort of thing, and yeah. always seems to find himself. Academy cleaner, yeah. Always seems to find himself cleaning in your room when you're done studying for the day. Yep. And, and indeed, as we cut in, he is leaning over you, <coughs> reading some of your books. Oh, cool. So that's what you learned today. Thanks for sharing this with me, Mordell. Yeah, and if you if you carry that spell over to that one over there, it does this really weird thing where it sparkles and all of a sudden the room explodes. <laughs> Don't do that, I did that. Oh, and I think we noticed the camera pans over the older Wardell, like not only is he significantly less but emo, he doesn't have any eyebrows anymore. <laughs> and that's what I have presentation for. Well they're growing back in one hair at a time. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? His hair's all burnt. <laughs> yeah, I had to trim it because I burnt it off with that last time. <laughs> that's where I got the, the pompadour. I wish I, I wish I could afford to I wish I could afford to go to the classes myself, but hey, me me chipping me me chipping in me chipping in to uh keep me chipping in to keep you in line seems to be working for us, right? Yeah, yeah, we do well. Yeah. Breakfast. Breakfast. <laughs> so I heard Sa- I heard Sari, you know, that Farisi- that pretty Parisian girl. Yeah? I heard she was asking around about you. Oh, what's she saying? Well, just between you, me, and the wall, she might have asked if you were seeing anyone. I happen to not be seeing anyone. 
Yeah, I told you, you probably weren't seeing anyone at that exact moment. Yeah, yeah. If she wanted to go, she'd probably get in quick. Oh, yeah? What did she say? Oh, she said a few things. Yeah, this is like your dorm room at the academy, <laughs> essentially. You just live in here alone because you're a Mandravius. You can't bunk with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll press the digitation and give myself a look. Yep. Because <laughs> that's what I do, and I'll, I'll swagger up to the door. Yep. And I'll, I'll do the, the swagger opening. And, and then, then, then the, the, um, his, his buddy <coughs> there starts sweeping the floor, and I'm like, totally yeah. not hanging out in here. You open the door, and... There is a fairly attractive-looking woman there in scarves, kind of low-cut, this fairly short-cut rainbow skirt. Yeah. Um, in Verizian style, but in Verizian kind of um, very slutty style. Slutty Verizian <laughs> style. And she beckons to you, and this is you. You know this girl, of course. She is Sari. She is um, a sorceress here, oh. and she is one of your fellow students. And she beckons to you. Mordell, Mordell, I desire you so much. Oh. Lean forward and kiss me. Oh, I'll turn up offer like, offer like that. And I'll, you'll lean forward. Can you make me a will save? Oh, okay. Is, is, he, is she trying to... 13 plus 1 is 14. Okay. You lean forward and you fall through <laughs> the illusion as you plant your lips on it and you're thumped into the wall. Oh, wow. <laughs> Leaning behind the, look, st- standing behind the door is her in the same outfit, de-sluttified. She's got a long skirt on, no <laughs> cut top, scarf, and she looks at you. <laughs> I can't believe that worked. They're getting those illusions are getting better. Huh? I, but, 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 why, why do they keep doing this to me? <laughs> this is the fourth time this week. Did, did, did you really think that I was going to come here and ask you to just make out with me right here on your doorstep? Well, yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, you've got a point. But I should at least buy you dinner first, right? Ladies first. Come on. Nakoda, uh, no, 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 I can see this is a private matter and I'm very busy with whatever the hell this is. <laughs> Gives you the big thumbs up. <laughs> um, He's fine. <laughs> and she sort of strolls on the hall. So I was talking to um, that other guy, uh, that, that creepy bastard sits in the back of our class, Rolf, Rolf Lamb. Yeah? Uh, Why the hell would you talk to him? Well, he came up to me in the hall and just, I, I don't want you to get the wrong idea or anything. I'm not dating him. He came to me and said he wanted my body. <laughs> you can do better. You've got better. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was thinking. <laughs> but if if he asks if you can just like be my boyfriend, that would be great. Hey, no lies here. Fair enough. She takes your arm, takes you out to dinner, um, yeah. and then we cut to uh, two weeks later. Yeah. Um, Am I still dating her? Yes. Oh, she hasn't gone sick of me yet. No, two weeks. <laughs> That's it's your record. Record. This is your record. This is your record. She's in fact gone off alone with her several times and she's oh, skipping a few classes shit. and that sort of thing. I'm kind of imagining Mordell is no longer a virgin at the point when the campaign begins. So. 
Your uh, mother would so not approve. Your mother, she's, she's Parisian. Yeah, and a sorceress. Yeah, she doesn't know anything, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> At least she thinks she doesn't know anything. Actually, and what I might end up doing is I might start disguising myself as a as a Parisian at that point with my stage, my stage look. You actually haven't seen her in the last day, and she's missed a date and you're starting to worry. Hmm. And Dakota, oh, says, Dakota <laughs> says to you, well, if you're so worried, why don't we go and have a look for her? Yeah. I mean, I know this, this 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 happens a lot, but I really thought the two of us had something going. You know? Like, uh, the, the, that, that thing, what do you call it? Love? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that. Yeah, that. <laughs> uh, let's go see if we can track the poor lass down. I doubt she's, <laughs> she's making out with Rolf Lamb, but you never know. <laughs> And She's a bit of man. Can you make me a streetwise check? You go oh. asking. Where is Sari? Um, um, eight. Yeah. It takes you a lot of the day and yeah. a couple more missed lessons and a bit more missing time <laughs> before you find out that she's been seen uh, down in the... I forget what this is called. I sense this is going to be a Kyle's first girlfriend situation. Oh, <laughs> she's getting fridge. They've invented fridges just for you. Which is sad because I really liked her. But yeah, <laughs> she's the she's the longest date I've ever had. My first true love. Well, at least in the fridge you have a longer shelf life. <laughs> Well, I don't think she's going to be in the fridge because it's a medieval time period and we don't have fridges. I think she won't be in the crypt Academy. You eventually find she's been last seen heading around the area of the crypts in the Hall of Whispers. That's where the School of Necromancy is taught. Um, They do, for obvious reasons, have corpses down there. And there is a big mausoleum under the thing. And so you eventually head down there looking for her. I didn't know she was into necromancy. No, the old whispers kind of always gave me the creeps, to be honest. Sari, you in here? Yeah, the lack of necromancy was one of the interesting things about her. I've. God, man, I must know every single bit of necromancy from my mum. God, it's so boring sometimes. Sari! She carries on about it on and on and on and on and on. Uh, Hello? Hello. Yeah, what? Uh, pay attention, she's just over there. Oh. <laughs> you see her sort of facing off, looking away from you. Oh, oh. What do you think she's done? She's just staring at a wall. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I'll casually wander up to her. That's not creepy yep. at all. It's going to get creepy. <laughs> hey, you, you doing all right there, Jack? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll swing my arm over her shoulder. Her face turns around to you. It still looks very much like her, but it is mottled white and quite pale. And then you get it in profile like this, and then as she turns around, and you think, gee, she looks a bit sick or something. Yeah, you're on some shiver. And then she turns around, and you see the other half of someone else's face. It has been stitched across here. Another girl's face. You don't know her. (laughs) And Sari just stares at you. 
And you realize that her eyes are completely blank at this point. She doesn't say a word. I... 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 <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he just, he's just dumbfounded. He, he doesn't know what to say. Isn't she just perfect now? You hear from behind you. And when you look around, there's uh, one more about Mary Bander Adventures here. Uh, a very ugly looking guy holding a sharp looking scalpel and wearing lots of tools. Rolf Lamb. Ooh, he's awkward. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I wanted her body, but she wouldn't give it to me. Isn't she so much better now? What What? the hell? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm Mordell, just like, what? What? what?" She doesn't know what to say. Um... If you don't like her, I can make further improvements. You did this for me? You've seemed like you liked her. Yes. So, I tried to make her perfect for you. Everyone should have someone perfect for them. That's what friends do. Were we friends before this? No, no. no. He's the creepy, creepy fuck that sits in the back of the class. Uh, can you make me see some motive check, actually? I'm terrible at these. Like, like that was... Can't be worse than me. Sense motive wisdom, minus one, seven. <laughs> you have no idea what this guy thinks about you. You you know him as, like, the creepy fuck in the back of class, and that's about it. You you don't know who his father is or anything of that sort oh at this God. point. But you just don't pay a lot of attention to anything that directly around you. <laughs> what gave you the even slightest impression that we were friends? I still are going to make a great team. Even the slightest. What made you think that you could walk into my life, take my girlfriend, and turn her into whatever this is now? She's a flesh golem now. Well, yeah, apparently. So perfect, but I can see you're upset. I seem to have gotten the wrong idea. You think? I'm so sorry he had this misunderstanding. I should have improved him instead. Points at the goat. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> no, you leave, him, you leave him out of this. We should be getting out of here. <laughs> I'm trying to improve the people around me. Shouldn't you be doing that with already dead people? One of them was. And she was dead when I started. Well, that that's that's good to hear, at least. <laughs> yeah, but she means it. She, she stopped de- struggling after a while. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Modelo? I don't like the way he's looking at us. And he killed Sari. <laughs> so, 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 Wardell's hands are starting to shake. <laughs> if you care more for his kind, I can make him better as well. 
You will not lay hands on him. Don't worry. This will all be over soon. Shing, and he pulls his little scalpel and steps towards Nakota. You, I don't think you quite understand. <laughs> this will not happen ever again. Smack. Back roll. Okay, this is actually something I can do. Um, 17 plus my strength, I take it. Plus yeah. two. And you wallop him across the face and start beating the crap out of him. It's um, Making a lot of noise in the process. Mm. And several several more wizards run down and, hey, what's going on here? And pull him aside. And you, Nakota, and Rolf are all dragged off, all taken off to separate rooms elsewhere in the academy. Yep. And several hours pass, and then the door is open. You're but literally put in basically a warded cell mm. area keep you contained. Several hours pass and there's a well, what is the meaning of all this then? And <laughs> in comes a man you would recognise immediately it is an incredibly fat gnome yeah. named Torgamore. He is the headmaster of the academy. You know mm. him at a remove. Mm. And then far more terrifying behind him comes your mother. Students fighting on campus. Students murdered on campus. This is terrible indeed. You cannot have this sort of scandal. <clears throat> Tell me in your own words what happened. Blah. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't match with what Rolf Lamb says. Of course it doesn't. Why would it? I think we need a family meeting. We're in a room with Rolf Lamb. Um, another man who, says, who looks over at you and says, Hello, pop it. I understand you've got my boy in. <laughs> it is some trouble. You sound like you need something for that cough. Yeah. Possibly a knife. There's no need to be rude to Mr. Lamb Mordell, even if he is vastly our inferior. <laughs> and she can get away with that. Yeah, no, no, That's how bad she is. <laughs> Torgamore says, well, I've heard everyone's stories. Mr. Lamb appears to have have several witnesses who can testify that Mordell was responsible for murdering the Cerie. But Lady Octavia, you've always been a great supporter of the Academy. I certainly have. Witnesses can be produced. That shouldn't be a problem. Really, Poppy, don't call me that. And her and Lance <laughs> stare at each other have a five minute staring on the table. Torgamore sits there going awkward, awkward eats a cake. Awkward, awkward. You can see Lamb going if you were a smidgen well, less well connected I'd just beat the shit out of you thinking you're better than me and you can see uh, uh, Mandrobus' mother going I could so sacrifice you to my evil daddy right now. Hang <laughs> about, hang about. Let's be civilised about this. <laughs> Lady Octavia. They have a very long whispered conversation in the corner. I believe, Headmaster Torgamore, when you search the evidence, you'll find this quite clear. You are correct that Roth Lamb has enough witnesses clearing his name, and obviously a Mandravius could not have done this. 
It is clear that the third party found at the scene was the guilty one. I am sure Rolf and Mordell will both see fit to testify against that Shante. What? One of the cleaners was there, dear. You might have seen him. You might have looked past him. He wasn't part of this. He wasn't even anywhere near it. How would you know that? I'm sure you weren't paying him any attention. Well... I was. I was. He's my friend. No, dear, we're talking about the Shawante. No, no, I'm friends with them. You will not send him away. Your friends... With a Shawante? Oh, is <laughs> You are Mandravius. I am whoever I want to be. You listen to me, Mordell. She drops her voice very low and leans in to whisper to you. She says, I'm aware you have remained tediously ignorant of the political currents in this city, but try to keep up. Mr. Lamb here has many criminal connections. He can bribe and intimidate his way into producing witnesses where needed. Rolf Lamb will very un- is very unlikely to be found guilty for this crime. A student has been murdered. Somebody needs to be guilty for it. It isn't going to be him. You are Mandravius. This Nikitu is a Shuante. Can't you find somebody else that's nearby? You are irreplaceable. What's one of them? Like, they breed like rats. There'll be another one tomorrow. I don't think you heard me, Mother. There must be somebody else nearby. Anyone. (laughs) Wow, looking for the third party, the fourth party to sell. (laughs) He hasn't had his alignment shift yet. (laughs) (laughs) Mordell Mandravius, I am your mother, and you will do what I say. I demand... That you walk over to Headmaster Torgamore and describe in great detail how you saw the Shawante murder the Varesian, and that you demand that he be brought to justice immediately. I'm not gonna. See, I'm not gonna shove my best friend under a cart. You will do as I. Torgamore sits over the board. Oh, she's going to. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we see uh, Torgamore that's down here. Well, the evidence is all very complicated. <laughs> I think we've heard from a little few, 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 far too many witnesses here. As on as the headmaster, I declare this crime to be not proven. But I'm afraid none of you are welcome in my academy anymore. Bought this on yourself, Mordell, I'm afraid, with your stubbornness. Fine, that's how it is. I'm afraid that's how it is. There's nothing left for you but to come back. I'll find you a squire position in the Hell Knights. Mother will take care of everything again. No, 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 no. And he just keeps playing noise and walks out the room. What else are you going to do with your life? I don't know. Run off with the Shawante? You see, Nakota's walking out the room, he's just like, <laughs> well, that's better than what I had before then, wasn't it? Oh, oh. Yes. Um, what are you going to do? I'll think of something, <laughs> Mother! I'll think of something! And you see, we 
see Gadron and Rolf walk out of the academy grounds as well. And Gadron turns to You're a sick little fuck, boy. That's what you are. But, Father, I would have made him so happy. I should have started with his Farisi, with his with his Shuante friend. I really thought he was attracted to the girl more. Yes, I made a mistake. Yeah, you're not good with people, son. Uh, look, <coughs> your man's got a lot of work to do. I have some new business, and given you out of this career, time you help me, boy. Now, don't you go bloody running off like that Mordell kid. He's going to come to a bad end one day. If he crosses you again, it'll come bloody quickly, <coughs> no matter who his mother is. Damn, Madraviuses. Some half-assed ancient bloodline probably changed it a few generations ago and called it a... Probably changed their name a few generations ago and called it a day. I <coughs> think they're better than me. I don't like it when people think they're better than me. But what what about the girl? She's still back there. Well, she's dead, isn't she? Yes, but we can improve her more from there. <coughs> My new friends can get you another Verizian if you need one, son. <laughs> and they walk out. <laughs> and then we come background <laughs> to Lucy oh my god four, four months ago um, we are in, we see the bolted door again Lady Anderson is standing outside it scythe over her back arms folded um, you can clearly hear the <coughs> noises coming from inside and she just stone faced completely ignoring it and then we cut inside to where Lucy is sort of kneeling on the floor, holding her cheek. It looked like you were going through my books. You were supposed to be at the party. You were supposed to be at the meeting to serve drinks, look attractive and generally wifely. You've put on a few too many pounds. You've been failing at that. The point of keeping you in this lovely place was to ensure I could control what you ate sending you out with Anderson to the markets letting you go back and visit your uncle was clearly a mistake I think it's time we cut that off you're losing your figure losing your control forgetting your place I'll be just crying now you are not (coughs) to look through your you are not to look through my books again you are not to ask any more questions about my business associates some of them might get ideas if they start to think you are overstepping your place if you think that you're better than they are some of them can be dangerous men I'm doing this I'm doing this and he grabs takes you by the chin and holds your face up and squeezes it tightly I'm doing this for your own protection, Lucinda. <coughs> he never calls you Lucy. Never. No. Your name is Lucinda Real. Can't you see that? Now, no more visits to your uncle. No more visits outside of this room. Anderson will bring you whatever you need. No more meetings until you've learned to behave. Do you understand? Yes, yes, my dear. Now, say thank you 
my Lord, for taking the time to teach me better. Thank you, my Lord. Can you give me a will say? Oh, shit, natural oh, one. Kill him! Kill him dead! That's a natural one. <laughs> with, a, with, a one modif- with a zero modifier. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get any worse than a roll. Unless something like that. I changed my mind. It totally shouldn't make you um, at all want yeah. you to kill this guy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy needs killing. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, no, hang on. You've got a will save of three. Yeah. So that's you're four. Gonna, you're all a one and fail anyway. Yeah. You're yeah. fail saves on that. Yeah. Regardless. Um, so he lets go of your face, and you are really <laughs> struggling to hold this in. You you are about a second away from. You've tried once or twice in the long distant past, not really throwing a punch back, but just grabbing his hand as he smacks at you. It's always gone badly. You know you're not supposed to yeah. do it. It's stepping out of your wifely role. Yeah. You know, but but you're starting to shake here. Like your uncle is the last connection you have to the outside world, the last thing that keeps you feeling normal, you can't really let that go. Well, he's not the last connection you have, because then Septimus turns and looks at the windowsill where you can gaze out upon the city that you can only get to some parts of, and there is this nice little feathered nest sitting there, um, with a raven sitting in it, just sort of watching it. And the bird. I should have never let you keep the bird. Giving you all sorts of ideas of stepping out of your station. Lady Septimus Fidel does not keep pets, I have decided. You are my songbird. This thing is a filthy raven. Let's get rid of it, shall we? Says the raven looks frantically at you. Out the window he goes. Reaches over to the raven. What are you going to do about it? No, I'm going to try to stop him. You rush over to him and grab his arm as he brings the knife at the raven. How dare you! You and then you will see there is. You are just losing it here. The anger and the grief is getting the better of you. If he kills Quoth, then you'll have nothing. If you can't go back and see Z again, you have nothing. You have no friends. Your your closest thing to a friend is Andersane, who's standing outside listening to this and has never <coughs> stepped in, ever, to help you. And you begin to realize from moment here, if you don't stop this, if you don't help yourself, this is the rest of your life. You are in this cage until he just dies of old age. But that could be 50 years from now. And you grab his arm and you want so much to make this stop. And then you see the black flickers coming off your fingers, the energy. It's rippling out of control again. You can't hold it back this time. But you don't really even want to, do you? You just let it go and unleash that black energy into him. And he... What what are you... How dare you... I'm Septimus Vidal. This is not part of the plan. He drops the knife and staggers back away from you. (coughs) Clutches his heart. I... Anderson, help, help. Falls to his knees and you hear boom, 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 bolt on the door. She flings the door open and she sees him holding his heart. You're on the other side of the room holding your hands up. There's no longer any energy on you. And he falls down clutching his... My heart! You have to... Uh, uh, uh. Oh, my 
Ensign runs over to him, runs yep. over to him, uh, looks down at him, reaches into a belt, pulls out a potion, pours it into his mouth. The liquid just kind of trickles out again, and he's no longer swollen. Huh? He's dead. Oh well. What happened? He just he just clutched his heart and collapsed. I don't know what happened. I don't know. I'm pretty certain he's dead. I'll summon a doctor to have a look. Stay in here. And doctors tell him, yes, he's dead. You know, his heart gave out. No one is (laughs) compulsively surprised here. Um, (laughs) There's a couple of old women fighting over his bed sheets. (laughs) And we cut to um, we, we cut to one month later, um, you are sitting around in the manner that is looking significantly more stripped at this point. Um, and there is a clerk in front of you, Church of Abadar logos and things on him. Um, <coughs> oh yeah, possibly the same and clerk of Abadar. And another, and another half a dozen people in the room. And, and the clerk is reading out. And according to the terms of the will... Uh, Lady Anderstein's contract is to be t- is to be terminated effective three months after three months after his death, unless late un- unless Lady Vidal would like to retain her services. No, Anderstein would do. I'm done here. Turns walks yeah. out. Doesn't even blink. Yeah. Who's the job? Yeah. Oh, very well then. That brings us to the matter of the will. Unfortunately. Uh, Lady Vidal, were you aware that your husband had several deaths? No, it can't be. Uh, he owes large sums of... He seems to owe large sums of money. And, frankly, his account is significantly in arrears. His estate should be able to cover this. Do you have any idea where the money has gone? We opened his vaults. There was very little of it there. <coughs> this is highly unusual. I was not aware of this fact. That bastard is coming to hold me in this <laughs> I'm afraid that... Uh, I mean, he certainly left you... There should be several thousand gold pieces at least remaining after this is all done. Although... Uh, were you unhappy in your marriage, lady? Uh, I apologise. I suppose that's none of my business. Uh, his wishes are quite clear, though. He's left it to his nephew once removed. Uh, is there a Rolf Lamb here? Yes. <laughs> yes, you have in the back of the room. That's all we need. We promise with money. Well, I'm afraid that Lord Vidal has left you the lion's share of the estate. Uh... There are a few small things for you, Lady Gwintrish. He looks awkwardly at the what he's reading. His eyes go slightly wider. That I'll discuss with you privately. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meanwhile, Mr. Lamb, was it? Yes. Yes. He has left you a sum of several thousand gold pieces. I'll, we'll take care of all the paperwork and get it for you from the vaults, from the vaults of the bank. Yes. 
I want the money, uh, yes, and dear Uncle Septimus, such a kind man, such a interesting facial structure. Yes. <laughs> says the, says we can use <laughs> We can read no. uh, How is that amazing? I'll have to ask my father. He'll know what to do. As you wish, by all means. Uh, that seems to take care of the end of it. Various people are leaving with a few clocks and odds and ends and things like that. Uh, Mr. Lamb, I'll speak with you later. Uh, Lady Vidal, there is the matter of... Um, he has left you around 200 gold pieces in this uh, bejeweled collar. Perhaps he meant to write choker. Well, <laughs> <laughs> of course, any of his any his papers have no monetary value, and he hasn't accounted for them. Are they of interest to you? His papers. I'll take his papers. Yeah, I, I I'm sorry. Most husbands tend to be more generous than this. This is what he had left, though, and you get taken to a warehouse that has several dozen boxes of paper in them. Yeah. And then we see you, we cut ahead to you, sitting in Wintrush's, Wintrush and Pinklewick's wonderful, wonderful questions <coughs> again late at night, looking through the candles, flip, 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 looking through these papers, and uh, there's a bunch of payments here. The services rendered to a Gadron lamb <laughs> dun, 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 dun. around yeah. the dates that your business started going downhill and then there's an extremely large 20,000 gold payment five of it five of it 15 of it going uh, sorry five of it going to the hell knights and 15 as, as a ger- do- donation to the church and then another 15,000 gold payment to Gadron Lamb for services rendered the date of your father's death and does as Lucindrel's holding this piece of paper does it catch yeah, fire yeah it doesn't mean it catch fire and burns and that yeah bloody hell and there would be like the hellish light yeah <laughs> We'll get him, says Quoth, sitting on your shoulder. We'll get him. Yes, we will. We'll burn him slowly in the fire. (laughs) She's natural, she can say that. (laughs) And angry. Man, your backstory. Everyone's backstory. Yeah, mine's pretty softcore in comparison to everyone else's though. We just got my arms and legs broken and my top bit down. I had a slimy girlfriend, I know, but I I just got to pack a sand in front of my mum and walk out. Your mum's pretty terrified. (laughs) You're much more well connected than everyone everyone else except the central, who's unfortunately too well connected. Then we cut back to. um, We cut back to present day, and we see Zalara, the Harrow Reader, sitting in her shop. She flips the card over. It is, of all things, a dwarf walking, working on a forge. And she, looks at, and she looks at the forge. Many sources united against a single trial. Those who survive the trial by fire will become stronger for it. But those who are unable to face its heat 
will burn to cinders. We will see what the cards show of us next. For Gedron Lamb has many enemies, not just me. I can feel their hate, their despair, their grief. It calls to me across this city. Guide me! And she throws the harrow cards up in the air, and we cut away. Yeah. And that's the prologue's done. Nice. The creepy, creepy, depressing prologue. <laughs>